time, our money, our energy, or our lives. But for Jesus, there was no grading or assigning of value based on personality or performance at all. In fact, it is while you and I were still actively sinning that he gave himself up for us. Let's phrase it a different way. Paul did. Romans 5.10. When we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. An enemy is a person who is actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. And you and I, by our nature, are actively opposed and hostile to God. Rebellion, sin is rebellion against opposition to God and his ways. The scripture just speaks clearly to that. We see it as, well, I, I shouldn't steal or I, I shouldn't tell a lie or I shouldn't commit adultery. And we see it as tied to individual uh, behaviors. But, but the scripture makes it clear, no, no, no. Every lie is a rebellion against God's standard of truth. Every act of adultery is a rebellion against God's standard of, of holiness. And Jesus sacrificed himself for his enemies, of which you and I are foremost. But I want you to know, there's actually an enemy that's bigger than you or me. In Genesis 3.15, it's recorded that an, that an ages-long war began in the Garden of Eden when Satan deceived Adam and Eve. God pronounced right there in the garden that from this point on, there is going to be a very long battle between Satan and the seed of Adam, Jesus Christ. And that's what the, all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation records is the battle that went on from here to the victory here. That's the thread, the blood of Christ that runs all through it and Satan's efforts to destroy the lineage so there would be no ultimate warrior. Jesus knew the true enemy. And as he struggled and prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, I, I can see it being just like being in a landing craft on D-Day going into Normandy. You've left the relative safety of a ship. You're in this fragile little landing craft. You're bouncing and crashing over the waves and bombs are exploding and, and bullets are flying and you're riding low knowing that in just a moment that ramp is going to go down and you're going to rush out on the beach right into the face of bullets and mortars and gunfire. Ugh. I don't know what I would do in a moment like that. I don't know what Glenn did in moments like that. But that's exactly what was happening with Jesus as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because in a way that you and I can never really sense and appreciate, the hordes of demons had, were gathering for an all-out assault on Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. And he knew, he knew in the garden that the enemy was determined to destroy him. And he asked, can I get out of the landing craft? And the father said, no, you know, you know what we decided. And Jesus went as the only fit and able warrior to rescue and save you and me from the slaughter by the devil and our own sin. Here's the enemy. Sin and evil 
Satan, and death. And they will be the last to be defeated. Listen to these exciting words out of 1 Corinthians 15. Then the end will come when he, Jesus, hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. That's good news. That's what lies ahead. That's the real battle. Nowhere in there did it say, for he must destroy Jim and Don and Rick. No, no, no. The real enemy. And then is the only one really qualified, Jesus, to make such a statement. Jesus then presents, commands a sacrificial challenge. Greater love as no man is kind of cliche to us. Paul says, no, 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 let's, let's look at the reality of it. It took an incredible commitment. And then Jesus turns around as the ultimate warrior and says to you and me, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And how did Jesus love us? He laid down his life for us. So you might be thinking, God wants me to join the military. Or law enforcement. Or fire and rescue. I just need to get somewhere dangerous where I can risk my life for somebody. And you know what? You don't need to move from your seat. You don't have to go to Afghanistan. You don't have to go to Syria. You don't have to go anywhere because you're in the midst of a war right now in this very room. And it's being fought on two fronts. There is a war within and there's a war without. Paul talks about the war within. Those of you who have ever read Romans 7, you're familiar with this, the war within. For in my inner being, Paul says, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war. Waging war against the law of my mind and make me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in my members. Paul says, there's a war going on that none of you really see. Uh, it plays out in my behaviors, no doubt. Because he says, you know, I, I do things I don't want to do. I don't do things I know I should do. But it, it's a result of the war that's going on inside of him. And he acknowledges it. I belong to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit lives within me. But there is this ongoing battle. We all do things we don't really want to do. And we're not consistent with who we want to be or who God says we are. We all neglect to do things we know are right and beneficial. And James in the book of James just comes out very pointedly and says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. Wow, it's not just I lied to you, I stole from you, I committed adultery again. No, no, no. Paul goes on, uh, James goes on and says, if there's something you know you should do and you don't do it, that's sin too. And he says, it's a war. 
Now, he brings good news in chapter 8. He says, there's no condemnation for you and me because we're in Christ Jesus. But that doesn't diminish the war. There's a war that's going on. And often it's not even really about our behaviors, but just about our beliefs. The internal war is sometimes, I know what God says about me, but my experiences and my emotions say differently. Liz Dixon's entire ministry around the world is fighting that war because she's helping people, young ladies around the world, know the truth, but tell them, you know this truth? The experiences you're having, this one overrides it. Let's get this here. There is a war within. There is also a war from without. Paul talks to the church in Ephesus, writes in Ephesians and says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Jesus said very plainly, Satan only comes like a thief. He comes to steal and kill and destroy you. Satan and the demons are determined to steal your joy and your sense of purpose by any way they can, using anybody they need to. They want to kill your faith and your identity. And they want to destroy your family and your testimony. And you're going, but I can't see them. But that's a reality that Jesus says you cannot ignore and that Paul says here is the essence, the true essence of the battle. Isn't it interesting that in the battle within and the battle without, neither Jesus nor Paul talk about people. People are not the enemy. The Catholics are not the enemy. The Lutherans are not the enemy. The Democrats are not the enemy. It's not people. The war is with sin and spiritual forces. And I want you to be aware. When an enemy knows that the opposing force is depleted and discouraged, they focus their resources and energies in more strategic spots. I don't need to apply a lot of weaponry and manpower here. They're defeated. They're discouraged. They're depleted. No, no, no. I need to fight on a different front. But conversely, when there are signs that the opposing forces are rallying and gaining momentum and purpose, then the present battle by the enemy has to intensify. We've come through a season of discouragement and depletion. And the enemy was quick to work in that arena and to continue, but to a great degree it was, we got the ball rolling in the right direction, boys. Let's go over here. But we have a restored unity. We have a renewal of hope as a church. Tom, the guy who facilitated the town hall meeting, Tom, who met with the vision team afterwards, Tom said, you know what I sensed? Here, let me tell you what I sensed as I 
read the online surveys. The online surveys were Don was disappointed to get 110. Tom said, if you got 50, you're doing great. When Tom watched you all gather that Saturday evening, 139 strong, Don said, I wish it would have been 200. Tom says, 60 would have been incredible. And then he listened to you and to us. And then he went into two hours of vision meeting with some of the leaders in our church. And he said, here's what I sense. The hope is back. And the direction is prime. You have people who are ready. Let's move forward. Now, you know what happens as soon as the enemy sees that? He goes, well, nuts! Back over here, boys! Your, our restored unity and renewal of hope demands an aggressive confrontation from Satan and the demons. And you know what? It's not going to be a massive frontal attack against Avalon Church. That used to be the way we did it. Back in World War II, Glenn, where we just threw hordes of people and more people into it. No, no, no. It's not going to be a frontal attack. It's going to be guerrilla warfare. It's going to be like a terrorist attack. He's coming after you and your families. Not the whole church, necessarily. That's too obvious. We'd figure that one out. No, no, no. The renewed effort against you and I is going to come against Don and Gorn. Because if he can destroy us, if he can kill us, then the church will waver. So it's time for us to get into the battle. And I know... I know we sang, I, I raised my white flag all to you, I surrender, Jesus. And Joanne was really right when she said, the battle is not ours, the battle is the Lord's. But you're in the Lord's army. <laughs> Come on, kids. I may never find an... Okay, I'm in the Lord's army. yes. And we need to get into the battle, and that means we need to acknowledge the war, we need to see the victims, and we need to engage the enemy. There are always victims. Sometimes you, you are a victim of a direct spiritual onslaught. You're going to be. The oppressive nature of the demonic is going to weigh heavy on you, and it's going to take the name of Jesus Christ to move that that energy, that force away from you. Sometimes there are victims of my, your choices and behaviors. A father's rebellion against God impacts his entire family. Trust me, I know. My rebellion against God almost destroyed my family years ago. A present or future spouse is always the victim of pornography. Always. And a selfish need to control destroys relationships in the individuals in them, and on and on we could go. Acknowledge there is a war, because if you won't acknowledge the war within, and we won't acknowledge the war without, we're going to get killed. And once we acknowledge there's really something going on, we need to look around and see that there are victims. And sometimes 
I am the source of their victim situation. So sometimes you are the victim because the demons are coming after you hot and heavy. Sometimes there are victims of my choices, my behaviors, your choices, your behaviors. And sometimes we're simply going to see victims as they suffer alone because they have had a direct onslaught from the enemy or they have been the recipients of someone's behavior and they're victims and they're sitting in this room. There are bleeding people in this room who have been wounded in the warfare. They're bleeding in your office. There are victims where you go to school and in your neighborhood. So we need to get into the battle. And the battle will continue until Jesus destroys all of his enemies. And that's probably going to be longer than you live unless Jesus comes first. So the battle continues and we just need to decide, am I willing to fight and even die for the kingdom of God? Memorial Day is about remembering people who did. And Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, but they lay down their life. And I want you to love like I loved and I laid down my life. Now get out there and consider laying down your life and it's in more than a physical sense. Sometimes laying down my life for the sake of a brother or a sister who's under attack means I don't get to do some of the things I had intended to do with my day. Because they have become the priority and I need to lay that down. You know that. Are you willing to battle for the sake of those impacted by sin? Not just, I'm going to take care of myself and and. Jesus is my shield and my defender and I'm okay. No, no, no. Okay. The room is, the world is, the neighborhood is full of people who are impacted by sin and they need us. Are you willing to battle sin for the sake of your spouse? Are you willing to battle for the sake of your marriage? Not because it's a moral good thing to do but because God told us to. Are you willing to battle for your children? Which might mean I change my schedule and my monetary priorities totally for the sake of my children. Okay, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm 66 years old. I raised my kids in a different time, in a different place. But Debbie and I were really, really blessed that we were able to make the decision before God that Debbie would not work while the children were in school until they got to an age where she could go to work at Hallmark after they went to school and be home from Hallmark before they got home from school. Now, I understand that's a blessing, but that was a sacrifice. We, we had to make an intentional decision to battle for the sake of our children that meant sometimes after small group met on Monday night at our house, we would pull up the couch cushions and hope somebody dropped change. Literally! <laughs> so we could go buy ramen noodles because we were ready to battle. Are you willing to battle for family and friends? How about 
Are we ready and willing to battle for the children and the teenagers in this building today? It's uncomfortable for some of us to go back there and work with kids. Battle's uncomfortable, but it's worth the price sometimes. Does that mean you all need to line up and go back there? No, because there's someplace else for you to go. There's a place for everyone in the battle. And I want you to just remember, you're not fighting alone. The, the church is like a band of brothers, warring, waging war on sin and Satan together. And within the band of brothers, with, within the army of God, which sounds so militaristic, stay with me, okay? Within the band of brothers, there is no color, there's no ethnicity, there's no age, there's no gender, there's only Jesus on the battlefield. And if you're wounded in battle, there should be no hesitation to call out for help. No good war movie shows a guy getting wounded on the battlefield and going, well, that was pretty much my fault, and, you know, and I don't want to inconvenience them. No, we cry out. We need to cry out. Well, how do I do that? Email me, walk into my office some Monday through Friday morning because the door is always open, text Don and say, I need to talk. Come up in the front when some of those who pray with our folks are available to pray. If you're wounded, don't hesitate to call out for help. And if you see wounded people in the band of brothers, it's your obligation, it's my obligation to respond and come to their aid. Uncle Sam wants you. Okay. If I was really smart about PowerPoint, I would have made that bland into a face of Jesus. But let's, okay. But it's the same, it's the same intensity. Salvation is only and totally the work of Jesus Christ. Only on the cross could Jesus and Jesus alone exclaim, it is finished. And Jesus wants you to accept the gift of his grace and salvation, the forgiveness of your sins. There is an unmistakable call from Jesus to accept the gift of salvation, which is by grace, through faith. To every man and woman, there is that call. And if you have not answered that call, this might be the day to do that. Either by coming up and seeing and speaking with one of us, pastors or staff are just indicating on the tear-off on your bolt and this, I, I want to know more or I have enlisted in the army of God. It doesn't say that, but that's, okay? But Jesus is both Savior and Lord. In the moment you are saved by grace through faith, you are acknowledging that Jesus is Savior and Lord. He is the ultimate commander-in-chief. So Jesus is Savior and Lord, and here's how I would like to close out our service today. Would you all stand with me, please? See how close we are to being done? If you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I invite you to do so today by an act of faith. 
and if you'd be so kind as to let us know. Your life could change as radically in the next 30 seconds as mine did in June 1971 or whenever Uncle Glenn raised his hand like I did. But for those of us who are believers, I want to encourage you to inwardly consider the following commitment. Because if I asked you to raise your hand, you would balk. I, James Ernest Groves, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the church of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior, and the orders of the Holy Spirit.